the Upper Room Discourse, where we dissect the meaning of Christian music and the history of Scripture. I'm Felipe Marin. And I'm Dakota Childress. What will we discuss this week? Keep listening to find out. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Upper Room Discourse. I'm Felipe Marin. And I'm Dakota Childress. And uh, we have a very special episode today. We do. It is the last episode of Advent. Yes. And uh, with that, I do want to say a Merry Christmas to yes. uh, those that are listening, those that will be watching. Merry Christmas. Uh, this will be coming out on Monday, Christmas Day. Yes. Um, and then there will be a video coming out that Thursday. So Yeah, on the third day of christmas so i hope you guys have your three french hens three french hens yep merry late christmas to you guys watching on youtube yep and uh i guess in the spirit of christmas uh we did get some gifts so yeah we you, did you'll notice on youtube we have some fancy merchandise on right now yes uh hats uh, i don't know if these will become available uh i guess maybe one day a limited edition limited edition <laughs> two of a kind yep only two in the entire world uh, but we're it's our last episode of Advent. Today we're looking at the fourth candle, and actually the fifth candle as well. We'll look at fourth and fifth today. And what color are these candles? So the fourth candle is a purple candle, and the fifth candle is a white candle. Purple and white. Yep. Good colors. Uh, so we remember, as we I'm sure you guys know it by now, but Advent, it comes from the Latin Adventus. It means arrival, and essentially these are the Sundays leading up to Christmas. Yep, and that's how we get to this episode week four of advent mm-hmm. and this will be well you know christmas eve is on a sunday this year that'll yep. be the last advent and then christmas on monday yep so yeah. uh if you guys remember the other candles we looked at hope we looked at peace and last week we looked at joy and today we come to love probably the greatest out of the other like out of the four probably the greatest probably yeah I don't know. They're all pretty. Uh, they're all pretty solid. They are solid. They're pretty important. So it's the fourth candle. We understand it's purple. Uh, this is actually called the angel's candle, and this candle represents love, as we've said before. And uh, really, if we think about it, you know, I feel like the Christmas story, you know, the the nativity, yep. it's all about love. You know, God loved the world so much that He became a man, and obviously, we know why. I wrote it down right here. It's so that we can be saved from our sin, so that we can have life. That's the reason for the season. Yeah, I mean, in that, in the whole, not just the nativity, mm-hmm. but, you know, we've talked about the other three Gospels, Matthew, mm-hmm. Mark, and Luke, and then we'll be looking at John later. <clears throat> but, you know, in two of them, mm-hmm. right, Matthew and Luke, you get uh, parts of the, the birth. Yes. And you see love through acceptance. Mm-hmm. And... You see it naturally from Mary, mm-hmm. okay? And then you see it from Joseph. Yes. And then you see it from God loving. You know, we're going to get to probably the most famous mm-hmm. verse in all of history. Probably. Um, today. and But you see God's love through a child, mm-hmm. the Son of God, right? The third person of the Trinity. Um, and so it's just love thrown in there even from the beginning. Yes. You know, and really, you know, what I love to see is, you know, love is big. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, think about Joseph. 
you know, think about the love that Joseph had to still go and marry his wife. Yeah, and to father the child. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, a great segue into Mm -hmm. the song we have today. It is. uh, Well, we'll get there. I want to talk about the fifth candle first. Oh, that is fine, yeah. Yeah. Getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But the fifth candle, which not all churches do, uh, but most, uh, like, Protestant churches will do the fifth candle. Uh, I don't know if Catholic churches would. Sometimes they would, but most likely not. Uh, But the fifth candle actually represents Christ. It's called the Christ candle. candle. Uh, It represents the baby Jesus. And uh, traditionally, this would be lit either on a Christmas Eve service or on a Christmas Day morning service. Yeah. So, uh, for example, this Sunday, we would have lit the fourth candle in the morning, and then we would light, I guess, this past behind us because it would have been yesterday. I keep forgetting. We pre-record this. Uh, But it would have been done that morning and then that evening christmas eve is when that fifth candle will be lit yeah which we'll have lit mm-hmm. i don't actually know if we do a lighting we do not candle. not with our church not with our church i didn't yeah. think so but i know we do have a candlelight ceremony mm-hmm. and you know we'll have already had that yes and it's actually pretty cool to check out so yeah and i don't I, I don't know if we'll be like well i don't know if that will have been live streamed most likely um, it will but if it is, you know, go check that out because it is a really cool service. Absolutely. And what I love about this fifth candle is, you know, Advent is all about anticipation. Right. It's all about the arrival of Christ. And I feel like that's the culmination. You know, we're thinking about all these things. We're thinking about the prophets announcing that he will come. You know, we think about how they went to Bethlehem, mm-hmm. you know, and then week three, the shepherds and week four. Now the angels, you know, all right. of this. And then it just culminates. Now the baby Jesus, you know, he is born. Yeah, and we talked about, um, oh, what was the song last week? A Joy to the World. Joy to the World. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, we expect the the first arrival, mm-hmm. okay, and that's in the form of Christ as a baby, and then yes. we anticipate the second mm-hmm. arrival. Yes. When he's no longer a baby, but he is full-blown in his glory mm-hmm. as king yes. of kings, Lord of lords. Yes, the future advent. The future advent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do want to read a verse for you guys today. Uh, it's not the one that we've read every time. Uh, this time, we're still in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So this is what the angels say. So this is before the chorus, before the proclamation, you know, the glory to God in the highest. Right. Uh, this is before, this is when it's just the one angel that speaks to the shepherds. Uh, but it's Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. It says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Pretty powerful stuff mm-hmm. when you really think about it. You know, the God of the universe becoming man mm-hmm. and laying in a manger. Yep. And uh, we'll actually, I guess this is another great segue into our song, uh, but that's actually a part of our song here that we'll be looking at is this idea of a child in a manger. Right. Uh, So I guess we've been kind of beating around it, beating around the bush a little bit. Uh, Our song for today is titled How Many Kings, uh, which uh, many of you probably don't know this song. Yeah, I would probably expect that. Not a lot of people do. Um, By a band called named down here yep a canadian christian rock band and i didn't know that mm-hmm. um this is honestly one of my favorite songs probably top three mm-hmm. um and man it's 
I think I first heard it on uh, the, from their Christmas album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we might have played it here during a Christmas uh, party that we had, you know, many years ago. Yeah, uh, back when we were in the youth, and I think that might have been where I heard it, and I just fell in love with this song, and it's a great one. Yes. Uh, so it was first released uh, in September. Uh, so September 23rd of 2008. And it was actually the bonus track on Ending is Beginning, which is their fifth album. Uh, the song was written by Mark Martell and uh, Jason Germain. So they were kind of like the two, uh, they kind of started the band then right. too. And uh, this song actually, as we've mentioned before, they had a Christmas album. This led to their next album, which released on October of 2009, titled How Many Kings Song for Songs for Christmas. Right. And there's a lot of like old school songs in there, and mm-hmm. there are also uh, songs that they came up with, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Besides, yeah. how many kings? Yes, uh, go check out that album because it's actually really good. Absolutely, you know, uh, listen to it today because it's Christmas. Yeah, you know, and if you haven't listened to it yet, a little shout out. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, the premium song to listen to on Christmas. On Christmas Day, I'll be listening to it on Christmas for sure. I hear. Uh, so uh, let's go into um, the order of lyrics. Uh, so it's simple. Uh, it starts out simple, then it gets complicated. Uh, so it's a verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Then it's kind of like a, it's not so much a bridge. I don't know. If, I don't even think I would title it a bridge. It's more like an extended tag. You know, they kind of throw a tag at the end of the chorus there, and then they just extend it and keep going. Yeah. And then we do another chorus, and then there's that tag again at the end, and then the song just ends. Uh, I labeled this as a testimony. Uh, I also label that there's elements of invitation in this song. Uh, but what I really think when I listen to the song and I read through the lyrics, I feel like it's very retrospective. You know, it's very much looking back at the birth, you know, and this is told, which we'll get to, but this is told from the perspective of the wise men or the Magi. Yeah. Uh, I do agree with that. The wise men, the Magi, um, looking back, mm-hmm. um, it almost like, I think out of all the songs, we've done for advent mm-hmm. you know which have only been four um you know including this and this would be the fourth one yeah uh this one and then i heard the bells mm-hmm. probably are the two that put you in the setting the most yes yes which is what i like about i put for the audience basically anyone who hears this song i don't think it has like a set audience i think it's really just the listeners the world yeah um as far, yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it can extend a little bit further. Probably somebody specific, uh, you know, I mean, definitely believers. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, and non I don't know how many non-believers would actually stumble upon this song. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many believers would stumble upon this song without having known about it first. That's true. Um, but I think it's, you know, just the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, put in the perspective of, like, Luke 1 through 3, or Basically, like yeah. Matthew chapter 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And it is the world. And I don't think you know there's anybody that wouldn't benefit from hearing this song. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, like, there's almost, there's elements of invitation in this song. You know, I feel like this song goes great into an invitation mm-hmm. to be like, look, you've heard it, you know, and this is right. the truth. You know, and here, and, and then there's the invitation offered right afterwards. Right. Uh, so this is kind of, let's move into the review here. Uh, so we look at musicality first, as always. Uh, basically, the singability, the melody. Uh, I love this song. Music-wise, I think it's amazing. Yeah, I do too. Um, 
I mean, you're probably going to get into it more than I am. Yeah. Uh, but the instrumentals, mm-hmm. um, I think they use a piano in the version you listen to the yes. original. Yes. The piano. That's the best part the of piano. like everything is that piano. I think they go more of like an, uh, orchestral style. Mm-hmm. Um, in the original one, and then I think more of an acoustic style on the Christmas album. I could be wrong about that, um, but at least that's what I think. It's yeah. been a while since I've heard the Christmas one. But. I definitely think it's a great intro. It's a very identifiable intro, mm-hmm. uh, and it's very simple. Like, it's not complicated at all, like super, super simple, but it's very effective. Yeah, it's probably just a few keys, isn't it? Just repeated. Yes, it's, it's yeah. literally all it is. It's like just three keys yeah. that they hit, and then they change the chord, and it's it's just, so simple. Yeah. But it's I love it. Uh, I wrote down that this song does a great job. You know, while still while being a slow rock, it's still a bop. Yeah, because it's not a fast rock; it's a slow rock. Very slow song. But like, I find myself wanting to dance to this song. In what way? Like just in general, like just bop out to it. No, I don't think you mean like jumping up and down, partying. No, 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 I guess not. Uh, but I still like, I find myself wanting to dance to this song. Uh, and I wrote down that it probably helps the fact that this song is in three. You know, which, uh, again, I think it just adds to that kind of like, I don't know what the best word to use for it. Uh, but it feels very much almost like Waltz. Because, you know, Waltz okay. is in three. You know, and that's the kind of the feeling I get when I hear the music and how the music is structured with those beats. Because it's you know it's a very strong downbeat, mm-hmm. and it's like one two three one two three one two. It's kind of the way it's structured. Yeah, the song. Uh, I mean, if you think about the piano being played in the song, and mm-hmm. if you go listen to it, uh, you'll know what we mean. But it has that same yeah. kind of pattern that you were just describing, just throughout the whole song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down that it does a really good job of building and then stepping back, which I love because it's really beautiful phrasing. And I think it just adds to the danceability of the song. But it like we start off slow and we build up to that chorus and then we step back for verse two and then we build up again. And then after that tag, it steps away before building up for that final chorus. And I really like that kind of back and forth where it kind of draws you in and pulls you back. It's really pretty phrasing is what it is. It's beautiful. It is. And I think, you know, they're, their wordage and mm-hmm. uh, their style of writing really captures the scene. Yes. As I said a second ago, and does a great job of putting you there. And I think that's one of the, the better things about songs like this mm-hmm. is that you want to, you know, have an image in your head. You want to be able to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we'll probably get into it with, yeah. you know, the poeticness. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to really spoil that. Yeah, uh, the last thing I have with musicality, uh, obviously it's a five out of five. Like, I don't think there's anything I can take away for the music on this at all. Uh, but I wrote down that it makes me think of like an interpretive dance when I hear this song, just the way the music is and how it's structured and all that. You know, I'm thinking of like a ballet, you know, or just like an interpretive dance or whatever. I think works really well with this song. Yeah, and um, it's it's very simple. Mm-hmm. The song is. I don't know like how it looks like on paper yeah um but you know like you said it's three three beats Mm -hmm. you know and then sing it now he sings uh very well he does he's a very amazing singer he can hit like high notes and low notes Mm -hmm. you know in a very interesting way in this song yeah and 
and it just kind of I was kind of just singing in my head for a second. That's why I paused. But um, yeah, I don't know if that makes it harder not to sing. Uh, and I feel like this song you can just easily adapt to however you sing. Yeah, because it's not easy to sing. Like yeah, it's easy to sing. It's hard to sing in certain parts. Yeah, most of the song the melody is really simple and really easy to sing along to, and just to sing in general. Really, it's that tag. That's where it starts to get like he starts hitting those vocals, and you're like, okay, I can't hit that note. That's not happening. Yeah, when he does the all for me, yes. when he gets into that part. Yeah. Yes. And uh, in case you're notes. curious about his voice and what he sounds like, uh, Mark Martell uh, actually did the vocals for the Queen movie because uh, his vocals are very similar to Freddie Mercury's. Yeah, the Bohemian Rhapsody, yes. I think is the name yes. of the movie. Uh, just a little bit of trivia about Mark Martell. He does kind of, if you listen to if you listen to this song, mm-hmm. uh, you know, How Many Kings, and then you go listen to like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, it is. It is very similar. Coming from you're somebody like, who's listened like, to both oh, of these songs, multiple I kind of see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving into poeticness, uh, this is looking at flow, looking at grammar. Uh, I wrote down there's nothing really special, uh, but I do. It does tell a story, which I always love when songs tell a story. It does a great job of giving you that image in your head. Now we'll say this is the most rhyming we've had. In a song, and it actually sticks to the rhyming scheme. Is it? I don't think this song has like any rhyming. Expected, at all. projected, all shawl. What are you talking about? Where is expected and projected? The first two lines. Follow the star to a place unexpected. What do you believe after ah, all we've projected? That's the only rhyming in the. No, it's not. The weakest of all wrapped in its mother's shawl. Oh, you know what turns it off for me? Thrones, it's in, uh, homes. It's the. It's verse two. Apart. Because verse two doesn't rhyme. But verse one and the chorus do have some rhyming, but verse two doesn't rhyme. That's why I was like, I was like, I wrote it down. There is rhyming, but it's like not a lot. Well, the first, yeah, you're right. The first two verses (laughs) and then some of the chorus does. And then once you get to that towards the end, it kind of trickles off, but. Yes. It's still good though. Uh, I think the strongest rhyming is in the chorus. I mean, we have thrones and homes. I guess those rhyme. Hearts and apart do rhyme. Yeah. But it's hearts, and then it's apart. So it's like almost rhymes again. The strongest rhyme is all in shawl. Or like you said, unexpected projected. Those are the strongest think, rhymes in the whole song. And I, and they're noticeable too. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess for me they were. For <laughs> Felipe, I don't know. Um, I looked. I looked through all the lyrics, and I was like, I only see like three rhymes in this entire song. I don't know. I guess because I like this song so much, yeah. I just noticed it a little bit more. Whereas, you know, with uh, Joy to the World... Mm-hmm. And then uh, I heard the bells. I can't remember the first one we did. Oh, because you don't know them as much. Hope was born. Yeah, Hope was born. Yeah. I don't recognize it as much, which mm-hmm. is probably there. But it's just hard when you don't really yeah. know a song like that. Uh, in case you're curious, verse two breaks it because Savior does not rhyme with meek at all. And pleasure does not rhyme with suffer at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, not even, like not even close. I feel like they started off like, yeah, let's rhyme. And then they're like, okay, we just give up on the rhyming. <laughs> That's what it That's feels what like it looks to me. Like, yeah. uh, but I wrote down that I don't think this song really needs rhyming no. for the poeticness because of the rhythm. Like it's very rhythmic, and that's what really drives it more so than having the rhyming. Yeah, and that and that beat and how this song is like played, mm-hmm. it helps drive it as well. Yes, I think more so than you know how the how the lyrics are you know mm-hmm. very well done, but. Now, so I guess uh, they all just kind of go together. When it comes to poeticness, I do think the chorus is probably the best part of the whole song, the way just it's written. I love the form because it has a form. It's six questions. 
And they're very similar questions in the way they're structured. And it's just changing a couple of the words here and there. And essentially, it's almost like the same question every time. Yeah, it's about, you know, mm-hmm. somebody having given up something. Yes. You know, and then we get the answer, you know, because they're asking, you know, how many, how many, how many. And then in the tag, we're like, only one. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where we get our answer to the question. And I love that just poetically. I love that a lot. Yeah, and I think for this song, I like how they do the questioning and yes. the answer. Yes. Right, because as you said earlier, it's a buildup. Yes. Right. And so they they give this quote, and it's not like they're giving, you know, six questions in the course, mm-hmm. and then they're giving a whole, totally separate six questions. It's yeah. the same six. Yes. So they're repeating it. And then they finally answer that. Only one mm-hmm. did that for me. Yes. And uh, I like that. I like that buildup. Now, I think this song does fall flat in the second half. Is what I think. You know, I think it's similar. It reminded me of The Blessing, where I'm like, it started out so great. And then it just drops All of a sudden, I'm six minutes in. I'm like, why are we just over and over and over again? I'm like, it's kind of starting to get boring now. You know, not that this song gets boring, uh, but I think it's just weak. You know, half of the song is that extended tag and final chorus. Like, the first, like, two verses and two choruses Mm -hmm. is two minutes of the song. Yeah, it is. And then it's like, now we have another two minutes, and there's, like, nothing new added. It's yeah. literally just expanding upon, you know, it's literally just all for me, all for me. It is. And and now that you bring that up, yeah, it is very much like the blessing. Yes. And, you know, no matter if you can sing that well, as much as I like the song, mm-hmm. you know, the repetition at some point, it does, you know, become overwhelming. Yes. And, I mean, I guess I get what they're wanting to go with, mm-hmm. but... I mean, unnecessary, yeah. Yeah, I like it. I just don't think it's very poetic. Yeah, and and it's uh, and it is unnecessary mm-hmm. because I'm pretty sure, like, he says all for me for like a minute straight, yes. a minute and a half. Yes, and that's it's, a good chunk of the song, you know, dedicated to three words. I know. I feel like it's just honestly. I wrote down. I feel like you could just end the song after that second chorus, and I think it'd be good. Yeah, or you know, just sing it like a few times and just kind of fade out at the or, end, or write a third verse. You know, could <laughs> uh, I gave it a four out of five because of that, you know, which I think it's fair. I think you could argue maybe yeah. even a three out of five, uh, but I think four out of five is pretty fair. I think it is too. And I agree with that. You know, it mm-hmm. does kind of, especially in, you know, the rhyming. Yeah. It kind of steps down and then, you know, it kind of just repeats, mm-hmm. you know, the whole manger scene, which I mean, I think is great, but also, you know, uh, some of the some of the lyrics just I don't think are as strong, mm-hmm. and you know bringing our gifts for the newborn savior I think that is very strong. Yeah, all that we have, whether costly or meek. I mean, these wise men when they were yeah. bringing stuff, they were bringing expensive stuff. It's true, nothing about that was meek. I know, like these dudes were so wealthy. I, I mean, I would I would be so like astounded mm-hmm. to know how much. Like in today's money, oh, probably so much, probably like billions of dollars. Yeah. Like that, that's wild to think about. Mm-hmm. I wish somebody would go and do that math because I'm not going to. I don't, I mean, you know. Yeah, it'd be a lot of research because you'd it'd have be to. It'd be a lot of research. First, you'd have to be like, this is where they came from. This is probably how much they would have brought. Yeah. It's a lot of research like to do. crates. Yeah. Like they were set for life. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't three guys. Like they probably yeah, had no. like a whole entourage with them. Oh, yeah. It was a train. Yeah. Crazy to think about. So like in no way was what they were giving me. Yeah. You know, 
And I do, I do like what they go into, you know, gold mm-hmm. for his honor. And they explain, you know, the gifts, gold for his honor, frankincense for his pleasure, and myrrh for the cross he'll suffer. Yeah, which we're actually going to talk about. Oh, good. What, the, what they actually mean. <laughs> they actually, actually mean. Yeah. Uh, evocation. I, there's not a lot to say here. It passes the vibe check. It's a five out of five. I think that's, like, I don't find anything negative when it comes to feelings from this song. Yeah. I don't think it, you know, evokes some type of unnecessary emotion no. like like uh, The Blessing. Yeah, like some other songs that we've covered do. Uh, I wrote down the biggest feelings from this song is obviously going to be love. It reminds mm-hmm. us of the love of God because it reminds us of what he did for us, you know? Uh, I even wrote down this is the sign, this is the kind of song to make you cry. Yeah, it does. You know, like in person and like that. Like I can see it in my head. Like people crying. I can see like the lighters up in this. The lighter, know, yeah, up in the real. air. The lighters. You know, that's what I picture when I hear, hear this song. And I think you know that can be just as detrimental, mm-hmm. and it does bring that to it because you, you definitely can see it. You yeah. know, the whole picture there. You know what he did for you. Um, I think. I think what it does is, you know, I think it's a little more tame than a lot of modern Christians. Yes. And that's when yes. I say modern, I mean within like the past ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know when this was written, two thousand nine, roughly two thousand eight, two thousand eight. You know, we're kind of that's still modern, mm-hmm. but we're kind of getting away from songs at that point where we're still listening to them. So like, I'm not. I'm not out here, you know, actively searching for a song from like 2005 to 2008 yeah. anymore. I'm searching for for anything from like 2010 to now. It's true, and we have to understand when it comes to the Christian music scene, you know, everything changed following 2010. Yeah, you know, post 2010, all of a sudden, every popular song comes from four churches. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and the rotation is just astronomically crazy yes. of like you know top 100s, top mm-hmm. 25s, top 10s, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would, I don't think you ever would have seen this song in a top 20. No. Um, I kind of forgot where I was going with this. But anyways, um, the I guess it was the um, the emotions it brings forth. Yes. So we're talking about, you know, songs from the past 10 years. All right. The Blessing is like the only one that's coming to mind right now. Um, Run to the Father. Yeah. Um, I wish I could think of like three or four more. But those are like the two main examples. Like mm-hmm. Good, Good Father. Yeah. Um, another example. What's another? All those bring emotions that you don't necessarily need to feel. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it kind of feels forced. Yes, absolutely. And it feels simulated. Now, this, I think, what this causes you to do, um, whether you know you want to say it's right or wrong, mm-hmm. is it causes you to reflect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and think about, you know, the situation you're in before Christ, mm-hmm. you know, what God has done, and then your situation now. Yes. And whether you want to cry to that or not, or just sit there and reflect, it all depends on you and how you want to receive that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that genre of music, I tend to call the Jesus is my boyfriend genre. Yeah, the good, good father and all yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, they're like, oh, Jesus, he loves me so much. He's like my boyfriend. And I'm like, that's... right. I mean, he's the king of the universe, created everything. He's not your boyfriend. <laughs> right. And I and I think that's the one thing that separates this song from songs like Good, Good Father and yeah. all of those, yep. is that it keeps Jesus and God in the respective view. Yes. In the right view. Of who they mm-hmm. actually are. Yes. 
now we get into the probably the weakest portion of the song of uh, the lyrics. The how scriptural is this song? Yes, it's not as scriptural as you would think, unfortunately. Uh, so let's start off with it's told from the perspective of the wise men. It is the magi. Uh, the magi did not find a baby in a manger. They did not. They did not. Uh, they did not find a baby. They did find a child, you know, a toddler. You know, Jesus could have been anywhere from newborn to two years old. I mean, that'd still be considered a baby. Yeah. But I know what you mean. Yeah. Not a newborn like we. Yeah. Or like is suggested. Uh, so even right there, like the first verse, I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not very strong. Like the first line, yeah. Follow a star to a place unexpected. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Because that star would have still been up. Yeah. Uh, but they did not find a child in a manger. Right. You know, they did not find him wrapped in his mother's shawl. That's not what they found. Mm-mm. Not at all. Uh, verse two, the gifts. Uh, so what did uh, the gifts actually represent? Do, do you know? Uh, gold, I'm pretty sure it would have been his wealth. Mm-hmm. Or not technically his wealth, but... Um, his kingship. His kingship, yeah. Yeah, they gave then, him gold because he was a king. Right. Mm-hmm. And then one of them uh, is definitely for burial. Yes, which one is that? That's myrrh. That's the myrrh, yeah. So they got one out of three, right? One out of three. And then frankincense. Oh, what is frankincense for? That's a perfume, I want to say. It is. Uh, so frankincense is actually used in the temple by the priest. It's actually one yeah. of the incenses that the priest uses. Uh, and when we see it in Scripture, we see it in the Old Testament. Right. That's what it's tied to. It's tied to the priesthood. Right. And I think what's interesting is they take a little bit of liberties with this, yeah. which... Um, it can be confusing. Mm-hmm. So if they're not going to be as scriptural, um, yeah. and I, I guess you kind of see what they're alluding to with each one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you kind of do. And I think with the frankincense, what's really interesting with the frankincense, mm-hmm. okay, um, go back a couple, say a couple of weeks, but it's been like a month <laughs> at this point, uh-huh. um, maybe a month and a half. When we did the Deuteronomy yeah. When we were doing that series, right? We're going through the uh, Pentateuch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're talking about um, the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And you read about the incense table and you read about what that's for. And it, and it sits there and that incense burns the whole time. Yep. Uh, while the sacrifice is being taken place. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the only interesting thing um, is there's no incense during when Christ actually is on the cross. As far as I know, there's no, no incense burning. No, I don't think so. So that's like the only thing that's like kind of left out, mm-hmm. quote, quote, um, of the sacrifice procedure. But everything yeah. else, you know, has a has a connection back to the Old Testament mm-hmm. as far as Christ's death goes. Yeah, and frankincense is really cool, you know, because, again, it reminds us that Jesus is a priest. Mm-hmm. You know, he is our high priest. Right. You know, that's what Hebrews teaches us. You know, so that's what I really like about that, that that was one of the gifts they brought. Yeah, and I'll say it takes a little more research to know why mm-hmm. they bring these, but uh, they're wise men. Yeah. So they probably knew Scripture. They did. They had Daniel. Um, so they knew what these things were for and mm-hmm. why they were important to Jewish There's a reason culture. they brought them. And there's a reason they brought them, yes. Yep. These three things specifically. Yes. Uh, now, I do like the chorus. I do think the chorus does a better job of lining up with Scripture mm-hmm. because it's true. You know, how many kings step down from their thrones? How many lords have abandoned their homes? I mean, obviously, that's what Jesus did. Yeah. You know, 
how many greats have became the least. You know, Jesus says that multiple times. Mm-hmm. You know, we think of Philippians chapter two about how he emptied himself, you know, yeah. literally laid aside his privileges. Yeah, my mind, and since we've been on, you know, the Gospels, it goes to, mm-hmm. you know, he's talking about John. Yeah. And he's talking about, you know, John is the greatest of all the prophets. Mm-hmm. And then he says, well, the one who is least is even greater than John. Yeah, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, how many gods have poured out their hearts? You know, that's takes a little bit. That's more creative there. But, yeah, yeah. technically that is what God did. You know, well, he showed us his love. I don't. I don't even think you have to uh, be a little more creative there. There's um, oh, and don't ask me to name which prophet it is. It's probably like Isaiah mm-hmm. or Ezekiel or Jeremiah. But um, they build, they dig the trench, and uh, the people pray to their gods, mm-hmm. and then the prophet, one of those three, I think, talking about Elijah. Is it Elijah? Yeah, wow, I was way off, wasn't <laughs> I? Um, yeah, Elijah, and they pray for what is it? Like a day or something, right? They just or keep praying. Is it fire to come down? Yeah. And Elijah prays, and boom, it comes down and burns it up, and they're still praying, and yeah. nothing's happening. Now he pours water on it first. He drenches the thing in water. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I don't think you have to be as creative. Like, you need to know yeah. like, know a story like that to be able to connect it, so I guess you do need to be a little more creative mm-hmm. in what you know, but it's there. Yeah. Definitely there. Uh, now, to romance a world that is torn all apart, okay, yeah, technically. It's true. You know, the church is called the bride. Mm -hmm. So technically that's true. Uh, It's weird because it says to romance and you're like, oh, that's weird. But I mean, in the like looking at just the the definitions of the words, I'm like, yeah, that is correct. That's well written. It's just, I guess, in the way we use the word, we don't really use it like that. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Mm -hmm. What's that song David Crowder did? That's a cover of John Mark McMillan's. Oh, How He Loves. How He Loves. Yeah. It reminds me of How He Loves. Uh, going from, you know, sloppy wet oh, kiss that's right. to sloppy wet kiss. kiss. Yeah. It's just kind of weird language. Yeah, We'll talk about that song one day. One day. We might title that episode Sloppy or Unforeseen. Sloppy. <laughs> That'd be a cool, interesting episode. Uh, how many fathers gave up their sons for me? Yeah. Okay. Mm. That's that's totally in scripture true. It is. I mean, the amount of times that Jesus references, you know, God as the father yeah. and his father. Yeah. I gave it a three out of five on scripture. I think that's pretty fair. You I know, do too. I don't think it's like that it's full on heresy, Mm-mm. but I mean, obviously it's not a hundred percent correct. Yeah. It's more thought for thought. It's kind of like your NIV Bible. Yeah. There you go. It's like the NIV. Whereas thought for thought, not necessarily word for word. Does, does the NIV say the Magi came at his birth? I don't know. <laughs> I think the thoughts there probably says Magi. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, and at his birth, the Magi came from the East. <laughs> oh, my good old. Uh, not not to bash the NIV because I love it for some parts, uh, just not to study, yeah, because no, it's yeah. thought for thought, and you're like you can't you shouldn't be studying thought for thought translations. Yeah. But like I said, that's kind of the that's kind of what I get with this. Like mm-hmm. it's like a NIV version of yeah. the uh, birth account. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I like that. Uh, so the final score, uh, it's a four point two five out of five. Pretty good score. I'd probably set a four. Yeah, which I think that would probably come from the poeticness that we could probably take a little bit more away from there. Yeah. The poeticness, which would put it at that four. I think the strongest parts of this song are, um, the beat Mm -hmm. and, uh, the instrumentals. Yep. And then I think another strong part is, 
you know, word usage. Yes. Like meaning what they have written down. Mm-hmm. The weakest parts are probably um, correlation to the Bible, mm-hmm. correlation to scripture, yeah. um, you know, rhyme scheme, mm-hmm. things like that. So I think that's, I would probably put it at like a four. Yeah. Uh, so should you play this on a Sunday morning with a congregation? Nah. I, I put, don't think so. I put maybe. Uh, definitely not as part of congregational singing. I think that makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, but I like this as a special music. I think it would work as a special music. Something to just sit there and listen to, yeah. yeah. Uh, I also wrote, I love the idea of this being in a Christmas production. You know, just throwing this song in a Christmas production or maybe even like a movie or something. Uh, or even do like a drama or a dance and have this be the song that plays in the background. I think it works really well like that. It does. And that's what I hate, man, because I can't remember where I heard this song from. And I swear it was here, but... It must have been on production or something. It had to have. And it worked, and it must have been a Christmas one because it worked very well. Yeah. But I don't really remember. Uh, so uh, with that, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what else we have on the agenda here. We have a word study and book study. That's what's on the agenda. Yeah, John. You'd think I'd know it by now, but I have to look sometimes. All right. Uh, you know, most generic of the four Gospels, I hate to say. But we'll <laughs> yeah. get there in just a couple minutes. All right, so uh, we'll see you guys in a sec. Oakview Baptist Church is located at 810 Oakview Road on the corner of Johnson Street and Oakview. Join us for Bible Fellowship every Sunday morning from 930 to 1030 and for service from 1045 to noon or on Sunday evenings from 6 to 7 for our evening service. If you are college age or a young adult, you can join us for The View on Sunday evening at the same time as the main service. On Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8, we have Word of Life for the youth, Awana and Cubbies for the kids, and an adult Bible study led by our pastor. Check out the links in the description of the YouTube video for past services or more info. And welcome back. And we're going to, you know, kind of just go ahead and talk about um, the Gospel of John. Yes, probably my favorite gospel. A lot of other people's favorite gospel as well, Um, Right for right reasons. Uh, I think it does quite a few things well and better than Mm -hmm. um, the other three. One of those being uh, its presentation of Jesus. Yes. how do you know how John tends to present Jesus uh, as the Son of God? Correct, the Son of God, or uh, in the Greek, uh, I believe it's uh, monogenes Theo. I don't know. I believe in the but, Greek. That's probably not the right pronunciation. I'd have to look it up. But uh, basically, the one and only unique begotten. Mm-hmm. He is the one and only. And there is a specific verse for mm-hmm. um, that, and we'll get to it in just a second. Um. But, John, uh, what do you know about him? He was a disciple. Yep. What else besides being a disciple? (laughs) Uh, He was probably the youngest of the disciples, of the 12. Uh, We know he was the last one to die. Mm -hmm. And he died probably around AD 90, Mm -hmm. something like that. Yep. Um, So we have the Gospel of John, and then we've talked about one other book he's written, 
Revelation. The Revelation. And then he's got three more. Yeah, he's got three letters. Uh, the Well, I guess epistles would be the right term, but First John, Second John, and Third John. Mm-hmm. So he is the second most prolific writer of the New Testament. Yes, after Paul. After Paul, who wrote like 13 mm-hmm. plus uh, books. Uh, but this is a very powerful uh, gospel, I'd say, in terms of um, the doctrine of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't get much better than, you know, John starts out chapter one. Oh, a beautiful prologue. Reminds me a lot of Philippians 2 mm-hmm. um, and that whole section, you know, f- verses 5 through 11 that mm-hmm. Paul goes through. Um, and when I was breaking down the, you know, kind of chapter divisions, um, I put this section, uh, verses one, chapter 1, verses 1 through 34, completely on its own, mm-hmm. right? We've looked at Jesus um, as a servant in Mark. Mm-hmm. We've looked at him as a king in Matthew. And then we've looked at him as son of man in Luke, okay? Yes. And then we get to son of God here. And this is not that, you know, not that that wasn't the real Jesus in those mm-hmm. gospels, but this is the real Jesus here. Yes. Okay. Uh, we get in the beginning was the word. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the word was with God and the word was God. Yes. Okay. And what that should do uh, when you read that is take you all the way back to the beginning plus. Mm-hmm. Right. Because uh, what, what do we see in Genesis? What's going on there? Same thing. You know, in the beginning, God created. Mm-hmm. And he created how? With his voice, yeah, spoke, and he. So when you see that picture, right mm-hmm. in Genesis, it is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all there creating. Yes, and all the creating, you know, God wills it, right, and it's mm-hmm. done through the Son. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that's why we get where we get in John. Mm-hmm. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then he was. He's not just the Word, but he's light, mm-hmm. right? And you know, he came. You know, the world didn't recognize him, Mm -hmm. and so they rejected him. And that's, you know, all of what the first 34 verses are about. Yeah, and I love how John doesn't name drop. Mm -mm. You know, we don't get the name Jesus Christ until very near the end of this prologue. You know, up until then, it's just the word. The word or light. Mm -hmm. And it is very interesting because it should really... It should really show you how, you know, John wants to focus, mm-hmm. you know, on the deity yes. of uh, of Jesus, you know, because by this point, okay, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have already been circulating around. Mm-hmm. They've already been written. Yep. John's probably read them, or mm-hmm. at least you know, they've been read to him. Yeah. Um, so he's gotten the gist of... Um, at least I would think. I don't, I don't... I didn't really do a whole lot of research into when you know, this gospel was written, mm-hmm. but I would think that, um, this might've been one of the last ones. Oh, it was written well after the other gospels were. And yeah, they're already circulating around. He's like, yeah, let me just write mine. Mm-hmm. Right. Who is Jesus? And yep. he's God. But, um, you know, you get through that, uh, and the great testimony of who Christ is. And then you get to uh, verse 35, mm-hmm. right. Um, and it it kind of just starts off a little a little interesting, you know. You get at, actually at the end of um, you mm-hmm. know towards the end of chapter one, about in the middle, really. Uh, John the Baptist is introduced. Yep. And um, he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God," and he's baptized. And then Jesus, you know, he kind of goes back, mm-hmm. and he hangs around. So, you know, John one thirty five 
through chapter three. Uh, New beginnings is kind of what I titled those Mm -hmm. that section of verses. And and what do I kind of mean by that? Uh, Well, you've got Jesus' ministry. Mm -hmm. Okay, new beginning for him. All right, you've got the wedding at Cana. Yep. Right. A wedding is a new beginning for everybody involved, Mm -hmm. for the husband and for the wife. Mm -hmm. Right. And then and then you got a very peculiar person in chapter three. Yes. Who is Nicodemus? Yeah. Uh, Pharisee, as you just said. Uh, and what's so interesting about Nicodemus and him being a Pharisee? What goes on in chapter 3? Do you remember? Uh, well, first off, uh, you know, the Pharisees were already, you know, at odds with Jesus. You know, just in the way Jesus taught and all of that, there was already some, uh, I guess, kind of resentment there. You know, they already had that with John the Baptist. You know, Nicodemus goes to him in confidence because he's like, wants to get to the bottom of it. You know, you have to understand Nicodemus was really high up. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't just like your average Joe Pharisee. You know, he was a part of the Sanhedrin. Yeah. You know, he was pretty high up there. And he comes up quite often in the book of John. He does. And so you're right. Um, it's, and he comes, he comes to Jesus when? Not during the day. No, at night. At night. Mm-hmm. Because he knows what's going to happen. If the other people see. Exactly. And so... And it's really interesting um, because basically Jesus goes into the whole, you know, you have to be born again. He's kind of like, be born again. Yeah, what are you talking about? How can I (laughs) re-enter the womb? I'm like 40, 50 years old. Yeah. So you kind of just get that interesting dialogue. Um, But what's more interesting is Jesus' um, you know, testimony here. And this is where we Mm. get the most famous verses. Yes. Well, one verse in particular probably of all time. Yes. Um, most quoted, I'd say, of all time, everywhere. Made fun of everywhere, quoted everywhere, mm-hmm. put on everything. Um, and that is John chapter 3 and verse 16. Yep. Um, but to kind of set it up, uh, you kind of go back a couple of verses. Mm-hmm. Um, you start in verse 13. Uh, but I would just kind of you know start in verse 15 so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. This is coming off of talking about Moses mm-hmm. and being lifted up. Um, and then we get verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, as you said, mm-hmm. begotten son, okay, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, mm-hmm. but that the world might be saved through him. Yes. Um, and we find our word study in verse 16 as well, which we'll get to that later. Um and uh, I love, you know, we've touched it already in Numbers, but that's what this verse references when it's talking about Moses. It goes back to Numbers. It does. And we talked about Moses quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and what's what's interesting is Moses lifts up a serpent. Yep. And that's, a, and that's the specific thing mm-hmm. he references. What happens when Moses lifts that serpent up? Everyone who looks on the serpent instantly is healed. Mm-hmm. And so what do we see Jesus do? doing mostly in the book of John. Do you know? He like he heals. He does. I think we get more references to Jesus healing in the book of John than we do in other, any other ones. Well, we have the seven signs. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And you get a very clear picture of him being lifted up at the end as well. You do, yes. Um but John tends to focus a lot on the healings mm-hmm. and uh you know just kind of his work and miracle working, I yeah. should say. Um and he's very specific about it. Mm-hmm. He is very specific about it. And he goes into quite a bit of detail on each of these. Now, mm-hmm. we don't have time to like go in, 
in depth in all of these. Yeah. Um, but go and read them because they're interesting. And there's going to be a little bit of a theme I'm going to come back to uh, mm-hmm. towards the end of this because uh, there's a lot of things in John, okay, that he mentions that aren't mentioned in other places. Yep. Um, so just don't let me forget that. All right, because yeah, I we'll can't get, be forgetful. We'll talk about that, yes. We'll talk about it later. Um, and then we get to John chapter chapters 4 and 5, uh, mm-hmm. kind of talking about things to come. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he, John kind of writes thematically, right? He does. Um, you know, chapter 4, the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. All right. And what what does um, what what's going on here? I'll ask that question first. What's going on, John chapter four, with the woman at the well? Yeah. So uh, Jesus is going through Samaria. You know, uh, at this point, he's by himself. He's kind of gone ahead of the disciples, kind of separate from them. Uh, but he's sitting at a well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like midday, or probably not midday, but it's the daytime. You know, not a normal time for someone to get water. But this woman comes up. You know, there's a whole dialogue that goes on. Uh, lots of cool things mentioned and stuff like that. You know, but it's just interesting because Jesus being a Jewish man, being a rabbi, you know, talking to a Samaritan woman, you know, it's unheard of. Yeah. And we'll actually get into um, the Samaritans later and who they are, because that's very important um, as to why they're so looked down upon. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll get into that whenever we look at um, Solomon. Yes. Because that it's more important there than it's kind of where that starts. Yes. But uh, you get some interesting dialogue towards the end of this whole situation um, the disciples, uh, right around the time they're coming up, um, you know, she sees that uh, something special about Jesus. Yeah. She's like, I see you're a prophet. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says she says this interesting line, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem mm-hmm. is the place where men ought to worship. And this is kind of why I title, uh, you know, chapters four and five, things to come. Because mm-hmm. this theme kind of plays out through both of them. Yeah. And uh, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Mm-hmm. Right? You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. And mm-hmm. he talks about, you know, God being worshiped in spirit and in truth. Yep. Okay. Now, if that isn't a clear picture of what's going on in the world right now, uh, where Christianity is not localized in the Galilean region, mm-hmm. you know, Jerusalem. It's not, you know, in that part of the world mm-hmm. solely anymore. Yep. You know, you've got it here in America. You've got it in, you know, South mm-hmm. America. You've got it in Canada, which is still part of, you know, the Americas. You've got it in parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. You've got it in multiple parts of Asia. Yep. You've got it everywhere. It's, right? There, it's no longer just the temple. Exactly. No longer the temple. Mm-hmm. And even in the first century, after this all took place, it was no longer relegated to the temple because there was no yeah. temple at one period, you know, AD 70, that mm-hmm. gets destroyed. So now yeah. they're going around to synagogues. And we also see that, you know, before then too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just shows you that, you know, Jesus is not only a prophet, but he is God. So he knew these things were going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, continuing on, um, you know, chapter five, he heals some people. And this is what I'm talking about. Like mm-hmm. he heals a lot and you do see that a lot. Uh, just also talks about, you know, who he is mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, his claim, you know, to be sent by God yeah. and his claim to be, you know, the son of God and that the father is his father. Uh, so some more interesting things that go on there. Then you get to John chapter six, mm-hmm. um, going through verse 10. And the most important, um, you know, statement ever made mm-hmm. is found in chapter 8 verse 58 and I'll get there in just a yes, second. Yes. Um 
But you, what you really see here in these chapters is his deity play, being played out and the power that and authority that he's been given, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he teaches in the temple. He walks on water, right? He's ridicu- ridicu- ridiculed, and he forgives an adulterous woman, right? Mm-hmm. And you see all these things. So, you know, like I said, I kind of titled this, I am. And what is Jesus? He is the yeah. Son of God. And that's right. where it starts. We mm-hmm. start getting those statements. Yeah. And, and like I said, I am the Son of God. I mm-hmm. am proven because he does prove himself. I am trustworthy. Mm-hmm. I am God and I am man. Because mm-hmm. even in here, he still calls himself Son of Man. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a reference back to last week, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he directly, you know, calls to deity. You know, that statement, I am, you know, that mm-hmm. is a claim to deity right there. It is, and it is found in, uh, like I said, verse 58, so probably one of the longest chapters in John, um, and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the ego a me. Yes. Uh, so he's directly telling them at that point, you know, and, and that's the equivalent of when God says to Moses, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. And he gives him the name, what we would say, Yahweh. Yep. It is the exact equivalent of that. It is, yes. And, you know, from there on, you know, the people, well, I say the people, but more like the Pharisees, mm-hmm. um, you don't really get much of a reaction from them as far as like, you know, them just wanting to pick up stones because they're like, yeah. oh, he's blaspheming. Yeah, they want to stone him. Yeah. And it's like, what's new? Mm-hmm. You know, these uh, these old coots, they're always looking to kill Jesus for some reason and mm-hmm. they never do um, and so well not yet mm-hmm. you know then you get to, uh, then you get to the end of it you know yeah. coming up chapter 11 right uh, 11 and 12 uh, some more interesting things you see Jesus' um, mm-hmm. power over death mm-hmm. and what goes on in chapter 11 and do you know who he oh, we brings see, back to life we see Lazarus being brought back to life uh, the most powerful of the signs, you know, then we have the resurrection obviously at the end, you know, but cause if you're going through their specific signs, John brings out, you know, and this one right here, this is a big one, like huge, mm-hmm. you know, like this is where they started like, okay, we got to kill this guy. You know, this is where those plots start happening is after the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And this is the only time this is actually mentioned the raising of Lazarus to yes. no other gospel. Um, and this is where you'll find it. And that starts, this is going to kind of start the, where we go back to the beginning of John and look mm-hmm. at some things only brought up in John. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, 13 through 17, it just covers the same thing as, you know, the end of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the last week. Yeah. Okay. I literally titled it the last week. And uh, we have our uh, namesake there, you know, because this right here, this is the upper room discourse. It is the upper room discourse. Uh, still, I think I like the Acts uh, testimony a little bit better for yeah. the upper room, but yeah. well, that's where we get the title of the yeah. place because we don't because John doesn't tell us what it's called, uh, but that's where this happens and that's what they'll title this section of yes. John. And yeah, and this does take place in the upper room, mm-hmm. um, and then you know John eighteen through twenty one, uh, mm-hmm. you get you know I just t- I just titled it ending. victory, yeah, right. Uh, my favorite chapter, honestly, chapter twenty one. Um, a lot of things happen in there. Um, the epilogue. The epilogue, basically, yeah. Jesus is kind of standing there. The dudes are on the boat fishing, and 
Uh, Peter just kind of sees him and, like, starts swimming back. Yeah, when he realizes who he is, he's yep. like, forget this. I'm just swimming to him. And then you kind of get, you know, one of the – you kind of get a redemption with Peter. You do, yes, after uh, the betrayal. After the betrayal. Um, or I guess denial would probably be the right term. Yeah, sometimes it makes me break into tears because you, you almost hear, like, um, Peter's – it's almost like you can hear Peter's heart break a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, Jesus asks him three times. He's like, mm-hmm. do you love me? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, yeah. And the last time he's like, well, you know I do. And it's almost like at that moment, it's like, man, mm-hmm. you can kind of hear his heart break a little You're bit. Because, like, oh. like, you don't believe me, do you? Mm-hmm. But, we, I mean, we have the testimony of Peter through, yes, you know, the rest of Scripture. Um, chapter 20, just to back up a little bit, verses 30 and 31. Yeah, the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book. Uh, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jesus did more than just what's here. He yep. did, you know, more than what's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was three-year ministry. He was doing something probably every day. Yep. Um, And then verse 31, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that believing you may have life in his name. Yep. That's the purpose. I, I mean, there is it. nothing more to say about that. But some interesting things, uh, we'll go ahead and get into what I was wanting to get into about this book. Some things that are mentioned only in John mm-hmm. and some interesting, um, you know, things that will come up that may cause confusion and problems <laughs> yes. uh, with other gospels. Yes. And I'm just going to go through a few. Um, so... Cleansing the temple. We go back to chapter 2. This is found in verses 12 through 25. Um, this would technically be the first cleansing of the temple. Yes, because he does it again. Uh, yes. And so it kind of causes problems because uh, for readers, because it's like, well, are they the same event? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, or are these two separate accounts? Because... Yep. You know, you got to remember sometimes um, these writers don't always put events in chronological order. Not mm-hmm. all events are in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Even in Luke, there are probably some that, you know, might be out of place here and there. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of get that question, and it kind of brings up the uh, question of, is the Bible errant mm-hmm. or inerrant? You know, is is contradictory? You know, why is this placed here? And it just brings up a lot of questions, but you have to remember that, you know, the same thing can happen twice. Yes. Right? Like, people don't always learn their lesson. Um, So, if it says it happened twice, go with it. It happened twice. It's true. And uh, you got to remember who wrote this book. Mm -hmm. You know, John. You know, John is like the first disciple. Right. You know, like, he was there at the beginning. He was. He was technically there before the beginning, as we find out in this thing. So, Mm -hmm. he has this perspective that none of the other writers of the gospel had, you know, even Matthew, who was a disciple, he didn't become a disciple until later, you know, after Jesus had started his ministry. And he was also one of the youngest ones too. So, um, and, and what's interesting is this is the only, uh, spot where you get Jesus clearing out the temple. Mm -hmm. Um, and John, and then you can go find the other account in Matthew 21, Mm -hmm. Mark 11 and Luke 19. Yep. Um, then the next interesting thing is how many journeys to Jerusalem are there? A lot. How many uh, are actually mentioned in Scripture that are or in the Gospels? I almost feel like there's like maybe like four, five. As far as I could tell, there's only three. Okay. So the first one, only in John mm-hmm. um, chapter 5, verse 1. Um 
the second one. Yep. yep. Uh, for the Feast of Dedication. Yep. That is found in chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Mm-hmm. And it specifically states that. Um, and then the third one's actually not found in anywhere except Luke. Mm-hmm. And that is in Luke 13. Um, and I believe that is when Jesus is going back for the triumphal entry. Mm. Um, which, and all, you know, what, what's kind of weird about John is that he doesn't even mention going back to Jerusalem for the triumphal, triumphant entry. It no, just kind of happens. You're just there. You're just there. <laughs> you're right. Like, all of a sudden you're in, uh, all of a sudden you're in Jerusalem. Yep. So those are just a few things that, you know, kind of come up. So, and the reason I bring those up is because, it's that question of contradictory. Mm-hmm. You know, are the Gospels contradictory? Um, is the events portrayed in John or Matthew or Luke or Mark, you know, the same or are they different? Is there problems? And it's something you kind of got to work through. Mm-hmm. And you can't necessarily say that, you know, John, you know, has all the details right mm-hmm. uh, because he obviously says he doesn't have all the details he didn't no. put them all in here no uh, but the other thing is is you know John has like I said before an interesting perspective mm-hmm. you know a lot of people go towards like Peter you know Peter was the main disciple which technically yes you know John was the disciple whom Jesus loved you know you could almost argue that Jesus probably was closer to John than he was to Peter you know I think that's a fair argument you could make yeah, and it's also, and it's interesting because when you look at, um, you know, the picture of the, or the description of mm-hmm. the Last Supper. Yep. You know, the one reclining on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Is John. Is John. And another interesting thing about John, the gospel, um, do, you, do you know what I'm about to say? He, uh, maybe. He doesn't mention his own name. He does not. He never mentions it. At all. No. He always says the one whom Jesus loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, you kind of got to read through that a little bit and figure out, you know, okay, he's kind of talking about John because yep. that's not made very clear. Um, so you'd have to read it mm-hmm. uh, to figure out that that's who he's talking about. He's talking about himself. Um, so that kind of, you know, ends the overall discussion of John. Like I said, John focuses on Jesus as son of God. Mm-hmm. He focuses on these miracles to show the power. Yep. to show, you know, he has the authority and that he is God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, through that, um, you know, his greatest miracle, his greatest, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, action of authority, dying on the cross. Yes. And we get that all the way back in, uh, you know, chapter three, you know, mm-hmm. his reason for coming. Mm-hmm. And we get to the word study in this, um, you know, 316. Go ahead and recite that for us one time. Oh, for God to love the world. Uh, in this way that he sent his only son so that whoever may believe in him may have eternal life. What version was that? Uh, that's from the CSB. The CSB. That's what I thought. CSB is good as well. Um, so we're talking about love. What do you know about Greek love? There's a couple different words for it. Mm-hmm. Do you know? We got uh, phileo. Yep. Eros. Yep. Uh, we have agape. Agape. Which one are we going to be talking about? Uh, I'm hoping Agape. <laughs> You're correct. Ding, ding, ding. Winner. It'd be kind of weird if we were talking about arrows. Yeah. Like, not this podcast. <laughs> no, not, yeah, not this one. Definitely not. Uh, so, agape love. Okay. Um, it means to love. Agapeo, mm-hmm. what, you know, the word 
in John 3.16 is agapeo, mm-hmm. is to love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an active love of God for his son and his people. Um, occurs about 143 times in the New Testament. A lot. A lot. Uh, and I guess it's not really much of a surprise, uh, but it does not occur in 1 Corinthians 13, so don't go looking for it there. <laughs> um, but what I love about, um, when I was looking up this word, mm-hmm. okay, there's a few other definitions you can give it, right? So love, value, esteem, uh, or to be faithful towards, mm-hmm. right? And so another verse in the same chapter three, Verse 35, I think, you know, sums this up as well. Uh, the father loves the son mm-hmm. and has given all things into his hand. I think that's the first one that, you know, shows that, what this uh, word really means. And then we move to chapter 15. And then verse 12, and I'll read it right quick. And it says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. Um and so something interesting, uh, and I'll get to this since, you know, we mentioned that verse, but this word is used a lot of times in conjunction with commandments, Old Testament commandments, mm-hmm. um, loving God, loving others, yep. loving your neighbor. I can't tell you how many times. Mm-hmm. It's like at least 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just in the Gospels, but throughout the whole New Testament. Yeah. At least 20 times where this is used in reference to Old Testament scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I should say something about how important that is. Um, but I was reading um, the dictionary. So I've got a Bible dictionary. Uh, from oh, not, not Merriam and Webster. Not Merriam and Webster, no. <laughs> uh, which we found out two guys, yes. three guys actually. Yes. Um, so we kind of played a little joke around with that. Go back a few episodes. Uh, but W.E. Vine, William mm-hmm. Edwy Vine, I mm-hmm. believe is the name, uh, wrote a dictionary. And I'm going to quote um, what I think is a great uh, wordage mm-hmm. of, you know, this word agapio. So uh, to quote, you know, W.E. Vaughn, um, expresses the deep and constant love and inherent and interest, I apologize, of a perfect being towards entirely unworthy objects, producing and fostering reverential love in them towards the giver and a practical love towards those mm-hmm. who are partakers of the same and a desire to help others to seek the giver. So that's kind of a quote. And I love that, mm-hmm. you know, cause it encompasses this whole idea of action. Yes. What is supposed to be right. And we see that in John three sixteen. you know, God loves the world. So he did something. Mm-hmm. He sent his son you know, to save them from the condition of the world. And, you know, that's sin. And where we first see this word, Matthew five forty three. Uh, you can go read that on your own time. Uh, the last reference is in Revelation 20, um, verse 9. And so you can go check it out. But John, I think, does a great... He does a great job of uh, showing the mm-hmm. love of Christ. Oh, yes. Through the miracles and through... Uh, his actions, because that's what this word is. And so, you know, I think, you know, in terms of if I'm if I'm to rank, you know, the Gospels now, all right, in terms of how they present Jesus, definitely John at the top, mm-hmm. okay? And then I would have to say Mark. Okay. 
right? And then I'd probably say um, Luke and then Matthew at the bottom. I I think, you know, that kind of goes thematically, right? Like, you know, Jesus is the son of God, Mm -hmm. and he came to serve, right? And through his serving, he shows that he's also man. Mm. And, you know, he's not just man, but he's king yeah, uh, because of his lineage. That's kind of something I just came up with on the fly just now. But it it makes sense. It does make Um, sense. You know, if you kind of go that way, and you can put, you know, the Gospels in any order you want. I don't know how you'd structure them now that we've been through all four. I mean, John is definitely at the top. Uh, I think Mark might still be at the bottom under Luke. Oh, really? Yeah, I like Matthew so much. It's just because there's so much teaching in Matthew. Yeah. So you do it, Luke. I mean, my bad. You do it, John, Matthew, Luke, Mark. Yes. Okay. Yes. So why John at the top? Oh, because John is just amazing. Just amazing. Uh, I, I mean, it's... I mean, I you can even almost argue it's probably my favorite book of the New Testament. Honestly, there's just it's so deep, mm-hmm. and I guess for me, I just love the structure of it. It's so thematic, you know. I feel like the Book of John would make like a great comic book. A you comic know, cause, book? well, because everything is like an action scene. Okay. You know, and then we have like, all right, here's a lot of teaching. You know, we get a lot of teaching in like chapters five and six. Get a lot of teachings in like chapter seven and eight. You know, a lot of teaching near the end and like that, you know, 14, 15, stuff like that. But then like yeah. other than that, it's like action, action, action. Yeah. You know? It's but, almost like they should make an action Bible. Yeah. Which they have made which an action have. Bible. You know, but that's but, what I love. You know, you know, I've, John, like he counts for you. you like, this was the first sign. This yeah. was the second sign. He does, and then he, he stops does. counting. You're like, well, where's the third sign? Right. And then you got to keep reading. You're like, oh, the feeding of the 5,000. Yep. You know? He's very pointed in that. Like I, that's what I love about John. Yeah, and I think one of the things I like about him as well is that he doesn't go overboard and explain everything. Mm-hmm. Right? You kind of do. You kind of got to do a little bit of reading yourself. Yeah, and that's where you know going to the other gospels comes into play. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And what I also like about him is that he doesn't. Um, he doesn't mention all the parables. No, he does. He mention any parables. I don't think so. Maybe one or two, if any, but I don't think he mentions really any. No, I don't think there's any parables mentioned at all in John. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, there's some weird sayings. You know, Jesus is like, I'm the bread of life. You yeah. need to eat my eat my skin and drink my blood. Yeah, and the Pharisees are looking at him like, uh, <laughs> what does he mean by this? Yeah. you know, And you know what's funny about that? When you go and read John, uh, you get that a lot. Yeah. That is actually said a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this mean? Like, what is he saying? Yes. Like, that dude just say what I thought he said. Um, you kind of get that reaction from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also get like verse, not verse 15, chapter 15. Yes. The uh, abide passage. A beautiful passage, yes. It is a very awesome passage to read. Yeah, but I mean, that's the other statements. You know, there's seven statements that Jesus makes about who he is. You know, starts in chapter five. Oh, hold up. I'm so sorry. Chapter six. You know, I am the bread of life. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the first one. Yes, that's the first one. You know, I am the light of the world. You know, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. You know, it just continues. Very thematic. Yes. Uh, By the way, the feeding of the 5,000 is the fourth sign. I forgot about the third one, the healing of the lame man. Oh, yeah. At Bethesda or Bethsaida, however you decide to pronounce it. And you know what's interesting about that place is that um, that's where I believe John is from. Is it? I believe so. The first three disciples, I believe that's where they come from, that region. Possibly. I don't know. I'd have to look at it. I'm pretty sure that's where they come from. But anyways, 
Um, yeah. Don't John. Get, don't get mixed up about the chronology. Yeah. You know, understand John has way more, like, details than any other gospel is going to have when it comes to, like, the start of Jesus's ministry. Right. Because that's where the biggest inconsistencies are, is that start of the ministry. Because it's so different from the other gospels. But they kind of, yeah. like, He gives weave, the wedding. They kind of weave in together through that somehow. Yeah, and it's also funny that, you know, he starts off with a wedding. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he starts off with, you know, the baptism mm-hmm. and then moves into the wedding. Yeah. And, it's, and it is, like you said, it's just bam, bam. Well, the wedding was, like, on day two. Yeah. It's, like, day one. <laughs> it's, like, day two. It's, like, he got baptized, and then he came back. he's at a wedding. You know, because yeah. that's where John picks up this. He comes back after he was baptized, you know, because we know he was in the wilderness for so many days and so many nights. Matthew jumps straight into it. Jesus is like, all right, follow me. You know, John's like, okay, that's not how it happened. Yeah. Right, first off, he came back to John the Baptist because I was there right. with John the Baptist. And he, he told me, and he was like, you come with me. And I was like, okay, I'll chill with you. Yeah. You know, and then it's like later on, then he's fishing and then Jesus is like, all right, follow me. And he's like, all right, I'm following. That happened later yeah. at a different point, you know. And then like the second day after they met, they're like, Jesus is like, hey, I got invited to this wedding. You guys want to come? And they're like, yeah, let's go to a wedding. You know, there's nothing like a Jewish wedding. <laughs> nothing like a Jewish wedding. <laughs> You know, I think The Chosen does a great job of portraying this in a more realistic that you don't right. see when you read it because you're just reading. Yep. You know, not like I don't want to even decide what you want about The Chosen. You know, but I love how it does that at the beginning. That's the only episode I've seen, by the way, is The Wedding of Cana. It's the, wedding. it's the only episode of The Chosen I've I seen. I still haven't watched The Chosen. Yeah. Man, I'm out of the loop. Uh, but anyways, uh, that's, that's the four that's, Gospels that's and yep. that's Advent. Yep. You know, Merry Christmas again. Merry Christmas. I hope you guys got some great presents. Pick your, um, yeah, hope you got some great presents. But the greatest one of all, Jesus Christ. Yes. Don't forget that mess. Yep. That's not mess. It's uh, awesomeness. Yep. Uh, So uh, I do want to mention, now that we've kind of reached the end of the episode here, uh, we are going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus. Mm -hmm. We're going to kind of capstone season one right here before we jump back with season two in a few months. Yeah. You know, just give us some time to recharge, you know, plan so we know, like, what we're gonna be doing what songs are we doing what books are we doing stuff like that uh but obviously we're still going to be up there so we're on youtube at the upper room discourse Uh, you can also find us at rss.com forward slash podcast forward slash the upper room discourse you can find all our links there uh spotify apple podcast i got it right that there's a share button there is you know share the episodes hey watch this episode yep you know, because that's the cool thing about the episodes is you can still go back and watch them. Yeah. You know, because it's not like... They're going anywhere. Yeah. It's not like they, things change, really, because they don't really. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why we'd get copyright stricken, because we don't do any copyright or anything, so they're no, not going to be taken down. Uh, so, yeah, check them out again. You know, go back over things. Uh, we mentioned, like, a previous episode, mm-hmm. probably, like, every episode. Yeah. Um, So, you know, there may be something in, you know, that we talked about today, right? You know, and talking about John, you may have been like, oh, I, I just remember something from like seven episodes ago. Let me yeah. go back and like. Let me go back and listen to yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know what episode was seven episodes ago, but mm-hmm. uh, hopefully it was a good one. I would think so, but. Yeah. Uh, so we got some big things planned. We're very excited. Uh, I don't know if we'll announce the date yet. Maybe. No, we won't announce it yet. You oh, guys just stay tuned. Of season two? Of season two. Yeah. Well, well it'll be out there. We'll announce it eventually. Hopefully it'll come out, you know, but yeah, keep that bell, you know, be subscribed, hit the bell, hit the bell, hit that. Give me notifications. Cause you'll see it when we post. Cause, uh, I think we might have an interview or something planned as well that we might throw so. in there. Yeah. It kind of in between seasons. Yeah. Just for, uh, you know, 
probably people around the church. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but with that, uh, I guess we throw a capstone season finale. I know. Not much of a season finale, was it? And it's Christmas. No, what are you yeah. talking about? We did John. Like Mary, I know we did. Well, like, I mean, that, besides there's that. A, there's a season closing right there. We hit the there's no like, There's no party or anything. There's no Started with lights. Revelation, ended with John. Yeah, that is actually. There's our inclusio. All the way yeah, from the beginning. That is kind and of. all the way at the end. Kind of interesting how that happens. Yeah. And Happy New Year, because we won't be yeah, hosting at New Year. That is true. So y'all have a Happy New Year. Y'all enjoy the next year, which uh, will be 2024. Yeah, and uh, uh, happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, and uh, I guess happy St. Patrick's Day. Are we just going down the list of holidays? Did we miss Groundhog Day? I don't know. I don't know. We're rambling. Anyways, we'll see you guys next year. Yep, we'll see you guys. You have reached the end of the record. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our YouTube and also find us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify.